Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the First Word Podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm here with my co-host... Mike, in Chicago. And we are excited to record a fun episode today talking about dogs and dog movies and everything dog love with a focus on reviewing Wes Anderson's latest film, Isle of Dogs. Um, And our special guest today on this podcast is a uh, dog lover herself and one of my favorite film critics and film voices and a good friend of mine, Thomas Lafley. Thank you for joining us, Thomas. Hi, Alex and Mike. Thank you for having me. This will be fun. Of course. And I'm, I'm, I will admit up front, I'm the odd one out who does not have a dog and it makes me sad to even admit it, but uh, I know both of you do and I hope their presence brings an extra amount of uh, excitement to your discussions today. <laughs> but, our, um, our, our only hope is that you will have one soon. <laughs> Look, I'm crossing my fingers and I'm working on it, Mike, and when I do, there will be photos everywhere on every social media channel, so don't worry about that. They're, they're... Your, your wonderful Instagram feed um, will be even more wonderful with the addition of a dog. I <laughs> think, oh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to make my own Instagram just for the dog. Like, Mike's dog has its own Instagram. It's crazy. Well, you have... They're, they're, when people go see a movie that they love and they go tell all their friends to go see that movie... And, and they never do it. And then like three years later, someone's saying, did you see that movie? And you're like, ah, no, I'm sorry. I should have, but I just haven't had the chance yet. This is you and me talking about dogs. <laughs> what do you mean? In terms of me getting one? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Mike, I will continue and, to yes. bug you and bug you and bug you until you get one. And I've told, you know, I've told this to Thomas too over the years is that I'm waiting for the right time. I don't, I want it to be right. I want it to treat it correctly and take care of it properly and have everything stable enough in life to make sure the dog has a better life than my own because that's what I'll be doing. I was just going to say, I mean, as someone who went through that, um, you know, my husband and I went through that. We were always waiting for the right moment to have a dog. When we have a bigger house or when we move to a place that has better weather, we just kept delaying it and delaying it. And we realized there is never going to be the right time or the, or the perfect time to get a dog. And you just need to do it when you feel emotionally ready and then things work around it. That's what I found out. Um, yes. So at least that, that's been my experience. So what I'm saying is if you keep waiting, that, that time might never come. <laughs> we need we need a sponsorship from like uh, a couple of rescue places because now that we've we've all convinced every one of our listeners to buy a dog or get a dog, then it's like now you need to know. Here's where you can go to rescue them. Yeah, let's, let's say adopt a dog. Yeah, and I'm gonna be adding a puppy to my pack in about uh, what three weeks now, so that'll be fun. Speaking of Wait. Instagram accounts and having dog accounts, I'll be it'll be my now new double dog account. Very exciting. <laughs> Nolan, Nolan is my current dog, and Norman will be our new dog. I love that. What's what's your dog's name, Thomas? Audrey. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, which is called which... Audrey, and she has the the dove eyes, the almond shaped eyes of Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> I was gonna say that's where the name comes from, right? Uh, it, that's where the name comes from. Um, before we named her Audrey, her name was actually, and get this, her name was Naomi Watts. And I'm not even making this up. We adopted her from this rescue group um, that names their dogs after celebrities. And this happened to be the same year. Our adoption happened to be the same year um, as, you know, when Naomi Watts was nominated for an Oscar for The Impossible. 
and it was the Oscar weekend where we adopted her. So all the adoptable pets were named after Oscar nominees of that year. Oh, so oh. we watched Naomi Watts play with George Clooney and Ben Affleck, so that was really fun. <laughs> They're called Sea Spot Rescued. They're located in New Jersey, and you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They're a great adoption agency. I recommend them. And what kind of dog do you have? Um, she, she's a mutts, um, a pit bull mix. Um, there are different theories about what she is mixed with. I just call her a pit bull mix. This personality, the stubbornness, and, you know, the, the loving um, demeanor, you know, those are all from Pitbull. Yeah, but she's still the sweetest. I'm lucky to have met both of your dogs. That makes me happy. <laughs> they're, they're lucky to have met you, Alex. Oh, don't you say that. <laughs> but thanks, Mike. Well, definitely um, lucky to have met you. Now that the dog pleasantries are out of the way, uh, should we jump into Isle of yes. Dogs? Let's do it. Where do we all stand on the I Love Dogs title um, thing? Do we think that's cute or do we not think that's cute? Are you bringing this up because I mentioned it to you, Mike? Yeah, I'm setting you up. <laughs> no, I because I, I it's cute, but that's it. Like I, I, It started being revealed to me like a couple months before that was coming out. Everyone would be like, oh, did you realize that it's I Love Dogs? I was like... Great. Who cares? <laughs> I think I was always interested in the title anyway. I was like, I love dogs. I'm curious what this means. And thank goodness he didn't call it like something else instead of uh, I love dogs. So but I get it. It's like, all right. I'm not, I don't know why everyone freaks out about it every time it gets mentioned. Like someone new on Twitter every day loses their mind about, whoa, I just realized it's crazy. It's like, okay. Am I the only one who feels this way? I think it's adorable. I, I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's anything to dwell on too much, but I think it's adorable. But I, I have to say I'm kind of annoyed that I haven't realized what it meant until someone pointed it out to me. It was several, several months ago. I just thought, oh, okay, now I now I get it. So I was kind of annoyed that it wasn't me who made that discovery on her own. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you're kind of annoyed with that too, Alex, if I'm unpacking your frustration. No, yeah, probably. But also, like, what, I'm just a little bit not as amazed by it as everyone else. Like, it's like, okay, it's cool. It's clever. It's adorable. You're just, you're just cynical. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And maybe that's my, that's, that's the perfect segue into my thoughts on the film. This film sucks. No, I'm kidding. I actually really liked it. I really liked I Love Dogs a lot. Um, but I, uh, my preface here is that I, Fantastic Mr. Fox set such a precedent for how much I love Wes Anderson stop motion movies, and I think you guys also love it as much as I do. And like going into Isle of Dogs, I had that on my mind. Like I hope it's as good as Mr. Fox because I I rewatch Fantastic Mr. Fox like once a year or twice a year, and I still enjoy it as much as I did the first time. And that's what I mean by like it's a high bar for. I was excited that we're getting a Wes Anderson dog movie a stop-motion animated dog movie, and I was hyped for it, and I was hoping it would be as good as that. And I enjoy it, but I don't... To end this comparison, I don't know if it's as good as Fantastic Mr. Fox. I feel like it, it's a much more funkier film with a different feel to it. It doesn't flow as well as Fantastic Mr. Fox, but it still it's, it has its charms, obviously. It's such a, such a pro-dog movie, both like literally and not literally, and... It's weird at times, which I, like, the first time I was watching, I was really uncomfortable. And I want to see it again to see if I can just get into it more. But um, 
yeah, that's why that's I don't mean to be cynical about it because I did really enjoy it. I just don't know if it's now my favorite Wes Anderson. And then the question of like like there's still so much to it to like about it, but the the structure to it is a little bit like jarring, at least the first time I watched it to just get totally lost in it. Fantastic Mr. Fox was groundbreaking almost. It, it was so many more things than just an animated movie and it was so it was so incredibly well done and detailed and and you could watch it over and over and over again and see those details and I think that's why he's so good and you see him at his best in this stop motion format. His live action movies are are great too, but I, I think this is really where he shines. I couldn't help but be in awe of the detail and the expressiveness of the, the movie, of Isle of Dogs. Like the, the eyes, I have never seen anything quite like this in animation, stop motion, CGI, or otherwise, where you could feel expressiveness in every single frame just by watching the eyes of the characters. The way they shifted and looked around the way they welled up, well, watered up when they were getting ready to cry, um, it like it it made me emotional, in a way that script and and acting and other things just don't typically do, especially in a Wes Anderson movie. And I don't know if that was because I'm a dog lover or whether or not that was because of the stylization of the movie. But like I really found myself emotional quite a few times in the movie because of all these factors coming together and the detail with which he put in every frame. I completely came to the movie, or I would say came out of the movie in the same place as as you did, Mike, it sounds like. Um, and the caveat here, I haven't really, and this is bad, I haven't really revisited Fantastic Mr. Fox since um, I think maybe the year after it came out. I watched a couple of times, so my memories of that movie aren't as fresh as you know either of you guys. But I really did watch Isle of Dogs more of a you know dog lovers movie or a dog movie than a Wes Anderson movie because you know truth be told I'm sometimes hot and cold with him. Um, I don't immediately connect with everything um, he makes. There are movies that he made uh, like the short Hotel Chevalier or um, um, Moonrise Kingdom that I really really love. But I think Isle of Dogs is the first time I just felt like. Um, he was catering to my in- emotional landscape, if that makes sense. And I watched the movie a couple of times, and I was really in awe of all of the details and you know emotional threads that he invested into the movie alongside his team of creators. Um, and the first time I watched it, I was also just really amazed by the fact that the movie seemed to understand dogs. And as a dog lover, I always look to movies that has dogs and try to understand how they're using the dogs. Is dog a prop or just a plot point? And it's always a recurring frustration for me that movies don't seem to capture what dogs can do for humans. But this movie really understood that and I really appreciated it. And on that note, the the eyes that you were just pointing out, the first time I saw the film, the fact that dogs are crying you know they were crying in the end their oh, eyes yeah. were welling up I, I did not necessarily immediately like that I actually questioned that because everything about the movie was just so respectful to you know what canines are like and that 
to me seem like um, a human's projection of his or her own emotions to dogs. And I thought, this seems a little kind of off um, from everything else that the movie is doing. But the second time I watched it, I, I think I understood it better. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And like you, Mike, I became very emotional and it, it just really touched something inside of me. And I think there's something interesting to be said about any movie that anthropomorphizes animals. And he's now done it twice. And the first time he was essentially just creating a human film with animals and all the sort of characteristics that come with them as, um, you know, sort of cute nods. And whereas in this one, it seemed like he had he had he had an instinct to um, make the movie about what it is at the core of a dog that makes a dog a dog. Indeed. I mean, I I, I felt completely the same way. And um, I, I think that's why I paused at the crying dogs after my first visit, because it wasn't necessarily what made a dog a dog from my perspective. You know, people talk about, oh, my dog looks like he's smiling or et cetera. And I always get a little, you know, queasy about that. And like, no, dogs don't smile, dogs don't cry. They have different ways of expressing their emotions. But then the second time it's really clicked into place for me what he was doing with the, you know, crying dogs. And, and there's there's something to be said about, you know, the many layers of looking at this film. I'm, Discussing Isle of Dogs is not just discussing, you know, um, how he approached the presentation of dogs. And I know that there's a lot going on around the movie. And I think there's a lot to be discussed on many levels about the movie. And, and I think anybody who sort of can read between the lines knows what we're getting at. But, you know, because all of us are dog lovers and we really want this to be a dog-centric podcast episode, we'll just kind of focus on, on the dog element of this movie. But that being said, he made a film that takes place in a in a different land than um, I'm used to, where dogs are represented in different ways. The history of dogs is different, and how dogs uh, interact with humans is different. And I find myself constantly, whenever I watch any movie about any dog, whether the dog's the lead or Tom Hardy's just holding a puppy for the whole movie, it's like I'm I'm constantly referencing my own life and my own dog. Like there's a scene in Isle of Dogs where the kid and this dog are laying down at night, getting ready to go to sleep. And I'm like, okay, the dog should put his head on his lap and they should cuddle and everybody in the audience will go, ah, and it'll be great because that's what dogs do. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's not this dog. And we're actually going to have a nice, cool arc about a dog coming to grips with the fact that at his core, he's supposed to be subservient to the human and love the human and only exist for the human. And I just thought that was a really cool thing. You don't see that very often in movies. It's usually the other way around. Human doesn't like dog. Dog makes human love dog. Dog and human live happily ever after. In this one, we flipped the script a little bit. And I thought that was a really cool new way to approach the story of the emotions that a dog carries with it. Yeah, and that that's actually a frustration with me too when I watch movies that feature dogs prominently. It's almost like the dog is working overtime to convince the human that, you know, 
he is this or she is this adorable creature that deserves to be loved and taken care of. And to me, it just kind of works the other way around. You know, dogs are sentinel beings. They have their own worlds. They have their own quirks and personalities. And it's a it's a kind of a two way road. You know, the dog has to get used to the human, too. And the idea of being with that human and vice versa is almost like meeting someone for the first time and try to make their acquaintance and then um, turning that into friendship. It, it's an investment on both ends. And uh, like you, I appreciated that Isle of Dogs seem to have understood that aspect. Um, it, it just drives me crazy when it's always the other way around. The dog is working overtime because to me, that's no brainer that dog shouldn't have to do all of that stuff to make himself loved by a human. It always makes me wonder with dog movies, does the filmmaker to make a great movie have to be a dog lover themselves and like own a dog? And I always wonder like, oh, does Wes Anderson have a dog? How does he know so well? And some of the behind the scenes videos for the Isle of Dogs showed them like there were dogs running around the animation studio all the time. So they had them for references. But I just thought like, is that something that's that important? If you're going to be the director on a film that's about dogs, like to actually know them that well? Well, here's, here's the thing. I don't necessarily think, you know, the, the director himself or herself has to have a dog. But, you know, if you're going to use a creature like a dog or a cat, you need to have some kind of basic understanding of how these animals react to certain things and what their worlds are like um, or talk to people, you know, who have pets. Um, and I, I often think, you know, I can tell if when I'm watching a movie, I can tell if the person who wrote the movie knows what they're talking about. Like one of the things that drives me crazy consistently is, you know, when a couple, they have a dog and then they refer to the dog as the dog. Oh, will you take the dog out? I, I can't <laughs> ever remember talking to my husband about taking the dog out. Her name is Audrey and we're taking Audrey out. So it's just one of the things that's so jarring. Um, it's almost like saying if you have a baby, oh, did you change the baby's diaper? You don't refer to your baby as the baby. Maybe I'm getting a little too granular, but these little things I definitely pick up on when I'm watching the movie. So Alex, to your point, I, I don't know if Wes Anderson has a dog, but Jason Schwartzman does. And he is one of the writers I attended a press conference here in New York um, where you know he was there, Wes Anderson was there, a number of the cast members were there, and Jason Schwartzman said, you know, among the writers, I am the guy with the dog. I am the person who has a dog, who understands dogs. So whenever, you know, he was half joking, but I kind of sensed that he was also half serious. Um, whenever someone suggested something that was a little off, he would put his foot down and say, wait a second, you know, if you only knew what I knew, you would never have suggested that. So it sounded like he was sort of keeping people in check about what's, you know, a sensible, respectful thing to do versus not. Yeah. Uh, I also, this actually reminds me, one of the other things I really enjoy about this movie is how much it is pro dog and like anti cat in a way. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, not to fully get into spoilers, but basically, like, the cat people are, are getting rid of the dogs, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's such a, it's the fundamental cat versus dog story, but it's also has such a love for dogs in it throughout that it, that it impressed me. Like, it wasn't, the, the, the whole plot storyline is basically, like, dog haters kicking dogs out, like, the bigger picture storyline of what's going on, and then... Like, how do we, and then basically the, the other classical story of how do we remind people that dogs are actually wonderful and man's best friend and we should have them around. 
Is this the yeah, first? Do- is this the first dog culture movie? Do you know what I mean by that? Like about more than just a dog, like about the love of dogs on a whole. You not mean? even, not even the relationship between humans and dogs, but an actual movie about how dogs communicate with themselves and how, like, look. One of the questions I want to ask today, and we'll deal with it in a little bit, is whether or not a dog movie can actually be good if the dogs are talking. Okay, we will get into this later. But, but, but like, I don't really think I can recall a movie that focuses so much on the relationship in the dog world between dogs. It it doesn't just see, oh, well, dogs have to sniff butts and that's it. I mean, like the way, the way that the pack and leadership communication, uh, the way, the way that, um, that their purpose, these kinds of details um, from the dog world's dog's world perspective, I think is not something I've seen before, and I think it's interesting because when you when you write a movie in that way, you can't think the same way you think about dogs, where you're only focusing on the cute stuff, and it's the stuff that comes up in the background that I thought, like you said, Thomas, really shows that somebody who knows dogs was behind this movie in some capacity. When you see them itch themselves, just passively during conversation or you see a tick just crawling around the skin or or like hey you have a tick on your nose and then knock it off like these are little tiny details that um have are like 50 percent wes anderson stylization and 50 percent somebody probably told him this is something you should include yeah i mean i don't know if it's the first movie or the only movie to do that but whenever i think of dog movies I think of dog movies that annoy the hell out of me and I can't really think of an example like Isle of Dogs that just so lovingly and accurately captured that world I mean one movie which is not really even that old from like a few years ago um, White God comes to mind you know it had some observations about the clan of dogs and you know how, how they become one and how they operate in packs but that wasn't necessarily a movie about dogs as much as it was a movie about um some kind of social and political allegory the way i saw it so i don't know if it really counts well that kind of happens in this movie too right the there's a lot of allegorical elements that i think were very well thought out and can be absolutely happen yeah yeah i mean it it can be applied to so many things it almost felt like a reactionary movie at times with the way that the the student uprising um played out but obviously this was made before a lot of the stuff that's going on here in the united states and it's interesting to see the parallel um between the dogs and what they deem as important in the world which is essentially their personal relationship with their human and Mm -hmm. how the humans are dealing with 20, 30 issues that are sprawling and massive and global and always worried about ethics and this and that. And you just look at the, the dogs and they are very, very focused in the primary set of goals, which is to be with their human. And I, I always find it interesting when, especially in movies, um, but also in real life when people use the term ownership, like I'm very concerned always about I don't. I, I hate the idea that I own my dog. 
You know, he's mm-hmm. he, he, and I, I. Some people find that odd, but like I don't own him. I, I I paid some money one day so he could be a part of my life, but but he's been here for ten years. I don't own this dog. I mean, he's a part right. of my family. I never use the word own, and a couple of times that I have accidentally used it, I stopped myself and I felt personally embarrassed. And I know where you're coming from. I try to say the word, you know. But I am I am parenting this dog or my dog, but I I never use the word own because of the same reasons. Or I also don't like the word buy. You know, it's it's adopt or foster um, or what have you. Because like you said, it's a part of your family, a member of your family. You don't own um, the being. You're Yeah, that's what I thought was cool about the movie was it was very much at its core uh, a a family missing persons drama. The kid is trying to go find the dog so that they can be reunited and continue to live their life together, even though both of them were essentially adopted. So it's it's cool. I, I thought there are a lot of things to look at with this movie way beyond just the filmmaking style which is very rare for a Wes Anderson movie, in my opinion. Like, I love him. He's, he's one of my favorite directors. But even I could admit that I think where he typically falls short is emotion. And he sacrifices emotion in favor of stylization. And I'm always right. sort of smirking and, and, and giggling and, and loving all his framing and his choices of stylizing the way that the camera moves and this and that. And the, the visuals of this movie were unbelievable i mean i wouldn't even be surprised if it got nominated for cinematography it, it, it was beautiful yeah for sure but at the same time and, and i spend like half the movie trying to figure out if it's really all in camera uh stop motion animation or like okay he must have done something with cgi here how does he figure out when to do that i find myself thinking about four different things at once when i watch a wes anderson movie that that's really interesting what you said i think that's the reason that i'm you know hot and cold with wes anderson movies um you know the the closest i got to that you know really emotional place are um during the two films that i mentioned that he made um the short hotel chevalier and um moonrise kingdom and uh, this this probably was the first time that I just connected to one of his stories at a really basic human personal level. It just felt like, you know, he just let his guard down finally and kind of cracked open his heart so we could just see something that's a little bit more relatable in there. Um, and, and I want to go back to um, that white God comparison that, you know, uh, we were just talking about. I think what this movie does differently is, and absolutely it does work on multiple dimensions. You can look at it as an allegory. You can look at it as just a straightforward family dog story. But no matter how you look at it, it kind of works um, on both paths equally. Even if you don't think about the you know political or social backdrop of it, the story still works. Whereas White God, if you don't see the allegory in it, it sort of falls apart towards the end. So that that's only, you know, there's only one way into that movie um, to see that political a- allegory, if, you know, if, if it makes sense what I'm saying. But this one, you can actually engage with it from different perspectives and each perspective has equal weight. That's, that's what I felt and that's what I appreciated. Um, because if you're going to set up an allegory, 
I just feel like you're playing with a lot. And if you're only focused on, I am trying to make a metaphorical point, then that I view that as a shortcoming of the movie. I do want to engage with it from its face value and from its deeper meaning. Thomas, that's great. Thank you for saying this because I'm not a big fan of White God and I'm always afraid to talk about it because some people love it. And I think you just explained why I probably didn't really connect with it because I, I wasn't, I actually have a problem with White God and I don't think it's a very dog movie. Like there's a couple brutal scenes with the dogs where I'm like a real dog lover wouldn't be showing this, but also I admire it's like uh, ambition and what they're trying to do. But I think you, you really, you really helped just clarify something in my mind in terms of why I don't love that movie as much. And I think um, it has some problems that goes beyond simply what it is, but uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Just have to say <laughs> welcome i'm glad i clarified something for you, as i was trying to wrestle with my very own reservations with that movie but it's funny i sat down watching white god thinking this is going to be a dog movie and then halfway yeah. through i realized no this is not a dog movie it actually has very little to do with dogs but one thing i disagree with and i, I can't watch any kind of animal violence like it, it's just really a big turnoff for me um it's a problem as a critic i need to move over that and engage with movies from various points of view and be fine with you know seeing some of these things but i just can't and then like that there were several points where i had to close my eyes i had to look the other way at one point i actually stepped out and came back in but i appreciated that they showed what it's really meant um to you know torment a dog what what it meant for a dog to be going through a really brutal training and how dogs actually turn into angry beasts that people are afraid of and that's not who they are in their core i thought that was necessary for that movie to display that honestly because it's a topic a lot of people avoid and they just land on oh this is just a bad dog this is just a wild dog avoid pit bulls, avoid Dobermans, whatnot, you know, they're just irrationally scared of dogs. I appreciated that this movie spelled out how a dog gets to a point where, um, because he's so tortured and abused and mistreated, you know, that, that's why the dog is the way he is. So that's one thing I will give to White God. I thought that was done correctly. Not that I would ever want to watch it again, but, you know. <laughs> you bring this up with white god and that's why i think it's a good time to sort of ask this you know how do you feel when you watch a movie and the dog suffers in any capacity for the plot because it's never the dog is always suffering in service of the the story there's almost there's almost a point with film history where it became like a trope like it became an emotional manipulation mechanism in a way where it was like, all right, if the filmmaker really wants to toy with your emotions, especially in horror, they're like, all right, we'll kill a dog at some point just because we can. And like, you know, it's a movie, so there's not really anything happening to the dog, but they know that it will screw with the, the at least half the dog owners out there who just cannot handle it. Um, and then obviously for your point, though, is that they a lot of what I've seen as well has been for the sake of the story, but in the in the sake of the story and like, you know, really need to kill it like i think you guys probably are the same as me where there's a certain kind of movie where you're like they could have hurt the dog but not killed it but why do they have to go to the extreme length of like killing it and doing the most damage to it well I you think, know I or think like when a dog dies in a movie 
it's always in service of the human's story. But even then, you know, like using Eight Below as an example, you know, at least one dog has to die to prove what the ones who survive really survived. You know, we have to kill a dog to prove that these ones are tough. And we have to um, allow the humans to, to see a dog that's dead so that they can emotionally feel wrecked before being lifted back up to see a dog they thought was dead is actually alive. So here, here is the thing. Um, and this is something I really, really, really wrestle with. And I have been thinking about it over the years. And it's something that really bothers me. And oftentimes, the dog is a prop in movies. Let's not pretend otherwise. You know, it's always a prop. It's always in service of um, the plot or the human or, you know, however you want to see it. Um, and I've kind of moved over that because otherwise I can't really watch any movies. A lot of movies have the dogs. Um, what I really want to see if, you know, they're going to make a decision of bring the dog into the story and that dog is going to have some kind of a function. What I really want to see, even if the dog dies, I want to see some kind of dignity. And I think that's the best word I can come up with. I just want to see some dignified way of dealing with this animal's death. Um, I'll give you one example. Have you guys seen um, the movie starring Blythe Denner called I'll See You in My Dreams? No. Um, well, it was one of my favorite movies that year for various reasons, um, you know, not just because of the dog. Dog is actually a very small part of the movie. And, you know, I'm going to spoil it for you, even though it's kind of a premise. So, um, you know, Blythe uh, Denner is this widow and uh, living in a community and, you know, she has a pretty comfortable life. Um, she's, you know, has this great companionship with a dog and you just observe her daily life. She's, you know, very functional, very productive human being and always hanging out with her dog. But the dog is just getting old and then, you know, dies of old age. And you actually even see the scene where uh, Blightener takes the pet to the vet and they have to, you know, give him the needle because or her the needle. So you have to sit through that. And that happens in the first act of the movie, actually, at the very beginning of the movie. And I was a wreck. I, I, I cried and I just couldn't move over it for for quite some time throughout the film. But then I realized that was actually a really dignified way of showing what it means to have a dog because if things work out in their natural course, course you're going to have to bury your animal one day. You know what I mean? They go before you. And I really appreciated a movie dealing with that in, in a really respectful and dignified manner. And the pain that I was feeling wasn't anger when I was watching it. It was the realization of what I always think about. This is someday going to happen to me and it's going to suck it's going to be awful yes that pet's passing was in service of that character but when we adopt the dog yes we really want to take care of them we want to give them a home but let's be honest we're also servicing ourselves right like we think about ourselves our need of companionship our need of something in our lives that's just for us and who loves us best is most excited to see us without ex expecting from anything so that movie seemed to have really understood that. Um, so if it's going to deal with, you know, the, the death of an animal, I want to see 
the same dignity that that movie had. Well, I haven't seen that movie, and I'm I'm gonna probably track it down now. But the the one that that brings to mind for me is ultimately my favorite dog movie, which is Marley and Me. And I it, it I have an interesting relationship with that movie because it pisses me off how they how they handle the dog in the in the film because they're really mean. I mean, they're just not good pet. They're not they they don't know how to handle having a dog in their life. They treat it like a dog. And and I know that part of the point of the movie is that they learn to bring the dog into the family and 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 love the dog, but it's like it, it's kind of odd the way that they handle everything. They're always mad at the dog even though it's usually them just being bad pet parents. But that movie meant so much to me, A, because I think when that movie came out, I think it was just like a few months after um, my family dog passed away and he had bloat. Uh, he went to the, we took him, I, I was just me because my mom was out of town. I, I like carried him into the vet and I was like, what's happening? And, and they were like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's 14, Basset Hound. So um, that was it for him. And it was the same, it was literally the same veterinarian as in that movie <laughs> because we, I was living in Miami at the time and like everything sort of came together and I just thought it was such, I appreciated that movie so much for really showing the bond in that last moment that he had with the dog. I thought that was a beautiful and very dignified way to show something that most movies do in a much more dramatic or exotic way where the dog gets shot or eaten or killed or whatever by like some cougar and I, I it's just it's it, it is nice it is something very soothing even though it's emotional to see um, a movie dog pass on in a veterinarian's office in a humane way to see that moment where the human and the dog have a final moment these are the things that, to me, if I'm going to cry during a dog movie, I, I want it to be something that I can bring into my own life or relate to. And I thought that was really, really powerful. And uh, and that's why I love, that's one of the reasons I love that movie, besides the fact that the dog looks exactly like mine. I am going to confess I've never seen the movie because of the reasons that you have spelled out, you know, the things I've read and the trailers I've seen. It just looked like a family who was just going to fail the dog, you know, in one occasion to the next. And I thought, this movie is really going to piss me off, isn't it? So I, I didn't see. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's infuriating be because yeah, the just, first I, act or two is really just shitty people. Not shitty because they're <laughs> abusive to dogs or anything. They, they're very, they're, they're good to the dog. They're just not ready. And it's frustrating to watch people who aren't ready to have a dog suddenly have a dog and they're not yeah. great people Just, i mean yeah. They're, yeah they're not kind warm people until the dog turns them into that in some capacity and even then i, I would argue that the, their kids turn them into that but um I, yeah I, it's a strange relationship to have with a movie and if if you're not ready to sort of sign off a little bit before you watch it it's not a good one to watch yeah, I, I, I can't. And I was actually in preparation of this podcast as well. I was looking through um, some of the dog movies to remind myself, you know, what's out there um, throughout film history, which ones I have seen and what I haven't seen. And I, I honestly couldn't put my finger on a single dog movie that I thought 
this is just you know pure joy i i love it i just i just couldn't there are a lot of movies that i love that feature dogs but i can always nitpick things in them it's like oh no this doesn't work or the the writer who put this dog in the story doesn't really know what he or she is doing um so it's funny that the one that came to my mind is i'll see in my dreams where the dog is such a small part um on screen but her presence and then her passing is always lingering at the background. You never forget, oh, Hazel, that was that was her character's name. You never forget about Hazel's passing and what it meant for the character. Um, what, what really angered me is, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. I erased it from my mind completely. Um, I'll come back to it. It's the movie that, oh, Wiener Dog. Have you guys oh, seen Oh God, I hate Wiener Dog so much. The, the entire, it, it definitely wasn't about a, a real wiener dog. That wiener dog yeah, yeah. You know, was about so many things um, and about nothing at all. It was, it was completely a <laughs> mechanical being. Maybe that, that student for death or for pain or for human cruelty, what, what have you. But, you know, when, when the thing happened to him in the end, which I'm not going to say in this podcast because that's, you know, a big spoiler. I remember just screaming at the Sundance screening and then I sent out a lot of angry tweets. Some of them I deleted later on because <laughs> they were in anger and they didn't necessarily reflect me properly as a critic. Wow. But yes, that's one movie that I can think of that just was completely undignified and disrespectful. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, cool, another dog movie. I'm going to watch this. And then, I, like, you saying it right there was the first time I had heard it since then. I, I missed – I just completely – it fell off of my radar. And now I have to watch it, although I admit – No, don't watch it. Well, well hold on. I, I admit when you said you won't spoil the ending, I immediately went to the Wikipedia plot page to read what happens because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I have to know. Um, because there's nothing I hate more than watching a movie about dogs where I don't – where, where the outcome is going to piss me off and I don't already know, at least before watching it, which is why now I go to doesthedogdie.com every time. <laughs> I don't know if you guys... Hey, I use that site a lot too, but I have to say I'm frustrated with them because they don't really update their site very well. And I also wish that there was a way for regular people like us to go in there and contribute. I, I just couldn't figure out a way to do it. There's comments, but it's kind of, I don't know if it's easy to get to. I haven't actually tracked it down. Dog movies are, uh, there's so many different breeds of dog movies. Oh. <laughs> yep. I don't even have to say pun intended. Uh, the, you know, the movies that are about a dog, there's movies that are about a human with a dog. And then there's movies in which there is just a dog present, right? And one thing that I, I think people forget to talk about a lot when they talk dog movies is Best in Show, which is probably one of the best comedies ever, let alone a really, really enjoyable movie for dog people. Because I love that movie. Yeah, it, it's, it's so funny. And, and yet you, think, you don't think of it as a dog movie because it is at its core about the humans. But like the the opening scene of that movie is the best scene ever written with a dog in it. Period. This is the couple and they're in therapy and they're so weird already. Like you see, they're adults with braces and they're kind of quirky and odd and they're talking about 
um, an awkward sex encounter that they had with each other. And you're, you're like, okay, they're talking about each other, and the camera's sort of slowly revealing the room, and then it cuts to the dog, and that's who they're talking about. And it's, it's just sort of like, I want another movie almost exclusively about those moments where people are talking about their life and the dog's role in it and how their awkward situations are actually more about what the dog had to go through uh, than what they went through. And that's why that whole movie just like, it just, it, it kills me every time. It is so funny. There's a documentary coming out uh, soon. It's, it's playing at Cleveland International Film Festival. I'm going like, to just miss it because I'm going to that festival. It's about seeing eye dogs. It, it follows one pack of puppies. I think it's called The Litter or Pick of the Litter. It's like following one pack of puppies born to be trained as seeing eye dogs. Or, I you know, watched that movie. You saw it? I did see it, yes. Is it good? Oh. Although I have to say I've seen 75% of it because um, it was playing at Slamdance this year, um, which is a, you know, kind of a second sidebar festival that happens during Sundance. Um, and those of us who are there to cover Sundance, we don't, let's be honest, we don't really have a chance to go to Slamdance movies a lot. But because of what this movie was about, I, I really wanted to see it. So they, they gave me a link and I, I watched most of it and I'm, you know, I'm crazy about this movie based on what I've seen. Um, I was watching it three o'clock in the morning in my room uh, in some just making these crazy sounds of like gushing and <laughs> yelping time I saw something adorable. It's a really beautifully made touching movie. But even though I haven't finished it, I can confidently say it because I've seen most of it. Well, let me go back let me go back to the question I posed that would be brought up later, which is okay. whether or not a movie uh, about dogs can be good if the dogs can talk. Um, I'm not talking about... The answer is no, Mike. The answer is no. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm assuming the answer is no, but I want to <laughs> elaborate on it because obviously the dogs talk in Isle of Dogs, but it's animated and actually very um, artistically acknowledged at the beginning of the movie. But I'm talking about those movies... We all know it, where they digitally have the dog's mouth moving when they talk, and it's a real dog. And like, has there ever been a good movie in which that happens? Well, I can't. I hate the one, the most recent ones where they do that. But I realize doesn't that they talk in Homeward Bound, don't they? Like they. Well, they have. But they, they have don't train. They're 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 talking in narration, right? The, right, like but it's like they don't move their mouths or anything. They're just sort of talking. Yeah, but but again, like that's where Homeward Bound does that, and a dog's purpose does that. So my, my, my short answer to the question whether a movie can be good if the dogs can talk, we're talking about, obviously, live-action movies. I, I, I am just going to say, just based on my instincts, no. Um, because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I really don't like when humans project their own um you know, their own worlds, their own way of being onto dogs without necessarily understanding what the dog is going through. Um, but if it's done in animation in, in, a, in a way that, you know, I love dogs did, then I guess I'm okay with it. But just to, to tag on to that, this conversation is making me realize how many dog movies that I decidedly skip every year because of 
my fears about just being extremely annoyed. I haven't seen a dog's purpose because I was really sure that it was going to annoy the hell out of me. But now you make a compelling point. Maybe I should, I should actually seek it out. No, I, I just want to say, Mike, to your point that you you uh, convinced me, and I hadn't seen Eight Below, and it was such a like I I probably didn't see it when it came out because I thought they talked, and I think there is another Snow Dogs movie where they do talk, but um. Like with Eight Below, I was so surprised they don't talk, and I appreciated it so much more because it's, and and I don't know. I guess it just is that that's how dogs are. Like I don't want to change them, and it's weird because as we keep saying, I love dogs. They do talk, but it's works for that movie. But for these live action ones, it just doesn't. It just feels so um, weird to me, and I I can't stand it when they do that. But it's Eight Below was such a great example of them being like, oh, we easily could have. And they sh- and it's Disney, so they might as well should have, but they didn't, and that felt so so much better because of that. It just pisses me off when the excuse is made for talking dog movies. We're like, oh, it's for the kids, and no fucking kid should see a dog talking with its mouth. It just makes it. it I, if, in what world does that do? It doesn't help. You don't need it. It's not like a kid seeing the dog talks makes it a more enjoyable film for the dog. It's what happens, and and like the the hijinks and all that. The dog I've never seen. I watched as many as I can. I mean, Marmaduke and Beverly Hills Chihuahua and all these. Like the dog doesn't say anything that kids find funny. It's the it's the stuff that's happening in the movie that the kids are laughing at. So what's the point? I don't get it. And it just seems like a huge waste of money in the first place to do all this yeah. CGI mouth-moving stuff. Um, I don't know. You, you'll see, this is like my trigger point with dog movies. I get really upset when I see there's a dog movie and then I find out that they can talk on screen. And I'm just like, stop. Yeah, I mean, I have so many of those trigger points. That's why I started avoiding them until another dog lover tells me that I have abs- I have to absolutely see it. So now you've convinced me, for instance, to go see A Dog's Purpose, a movie that I did my best to avoid, but now I'm going to have to look it up and watch it. <laughs> I, I wonder if, you know, part of that avoidance came from the controversy that surrounded the film at the time. You know, I mean, this is an issue that, that I think hits at the heart of, for a lot of people is when they find out that a dog went through something um, bad behind the scenes of a film. And, I, and it turns out, you know, upon further inspection and investigation, that was um, actually like a setup, and the dog did not go through what they, as much or in any format close to abuse that uh, was originally reported. It was like a setup by some activist group where they filmed it from a distance and and you and intercut two different sequences together. Uh, I, I want to go back and get the details, but I remember being. Remind me what controversy was i don't even remember i i do recall there was something that was happening yeah the dog there's a scene in the movie where the dog has to like rescue the human in the water uh and i remember this controversy i watched that video i don't even know how it resolved this is the first time i'm hearing it but i immediately called bullshit on it i mean if you follow me with my own dog you would actually sometimes would think that is she, you know, abusing this animal. But sometimes dogs do need a little, you know, convincing and then they're stubborn and you get frustrated. You do have a real relationship with these animals. And just because you're trying to convince the dog to doing something in, in a way that's not necessarily, you know, the most pleasant thing from the outside, that doesn't 
necessarily mean animal abuse. I mean, if you watch me on a regular day trying to walk Audrey down the block where she's completely refusing to, even though she has to, she has to go to the bathroom, she has to stretch her muscles a little bit because she's been lazing on the couch for the past however many hours. You know, I'm struggling and then I, I see some judgmental looks around or sometimes people all think, oh, how cute, she's stubborn and you're trying to be more stubborn, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you don't really know what what's happening right now. Yes, I realize it's a little bit different when it's a movie set, it's a working dog. But people also have to remember when the dogs are working on things like that, they, they don't see it as work. They see it as a game. You know, if you do something, you get this. Like everything to dogs is, is a kind of a game and it's a challenge and they, they want to be challenged. They want to be presented with tasks. Um, so I saw that video. I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is a non-controversy. I'm not going to bother myself. You I think it was you, Mike, but other people have convinced me of too to see was the mountain between us because everyone kept saying like, oh, the, there's a really important dog in it and the dog doesn't die. I was like, oh, I want to see it now because everyone says the dog is important. I recommend it heartily. It, it's a good dog movie. It is. I, I will say while we're name dropping dog movies, they're the one if you are in the mood to just cry your freaking eyes out, it's Hachi. Hachi destroys me. Yeah, it destroys me too, even though I am supremely annoyed with that movie. <laughs> Why? Um, well, you know, people who are listening to this episode will probably think of me as the, the crazy dog lady, and they, they <laughs> won't be wrong. I, am. I, mean, I was going to say, you are a crazy dog. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm not sure how to articulate it. There, there is definitely um, a, um, a, a point in that movie where the dog is kind of, you know, like it's sold to human emotions. You know, when we're seeing things from her point of view, mm -hmm. the camera shows what the dog is seeing and the dog is doing certain things that is a result of a lot of, you know, um, judgments if a b b c etc like th those kind of judgments dogs do to a certain level but that dog was doing to a point where he was thinking like human i, I just thought it's it's a really inaccurate way of portraying a, a, a dog i mean yes that was a very special dog and you know based on a true um japanese story you know tachiko is immortalized in a train station in japan i'm aware of that it's a very special and unusual dog. But there's so many things in that movie that just really drew me crazy. And the other thing that drives me, drives me crazy is that um, when the dog decides to go to the train station, even after, you know, his human passes away, um, you know, his, his daughter comes and then they decide to just leave the dog there. Okay, you do what you must do. I, I, I'm sorry. To me, that's like major assholery to leave a dog unattended at a train station who is used to being at home um i just don't think it's a good dog movie even though i watched it a couple of times and cried my eyes out all the while while nitpicking a dog person would never do this a dog person would never do that no a dog would never do this so. well it's an interesting perspective because i haven't i i just it, it never occurred to me um and i and i totally agree I guess I, I don't know what it is about that movie where it's like, I mean, I don't watch that movie. I've watched it twice, but like. And any human being would cry during that movie, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call it 
you know, a responsible dog movie. Well, and another another more recent movie that I think is worth watching that maybe some people were turned off by just by the general promotional approach is Megan Levy. I heard about I it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I have seen it. I, I, I reviewed it. I, I like that movie. Yeah, I thought it did a very good job of, once again, showing the power of a relationship with a dog. But it does also bring us back to the conversation of whether or not the best way of doing a dog movie is to show the dog's ability to change a human or whether it's the simply acceptance of how humans almost exclusively are with dogs, which is making them a part of the family. It had a different, it's a much more purposeful movie about something very different. And I do think the military dog story is something that hasn't been tackled enough in movies and I'd like to see more of them. But any dog with a job is amazing to me. I, I, I just, it blows my mind what they're capable of and how focused they can be. This makes me think we need, we need an avalanche dog movie. There are like occasional little bits in movies, but there's not been a movie about an avalanche dog. But I know saying this, they're going to make a cheesy one where it talks and then no one, none of us is going to like it. So. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what you would even do with that movie. Like, can it be, can you make a feature film about an avalanche dog or is it simply the dog is serves a plot like mountains between us i'll be curious to see that that actually brings me into um, something else i wanted to talk about today with you guys which is like dog movie pitches <laughs> Ooh. I, I didn't prepare you guys i wrote a couple myself uh <laughs> as a filmmaker i'm always like trying to come up with the next amazing perfect movie idea and I just have a running list of things. I'm going to I'm gonna throw three at you guys. And maybe by the time I'm done with them, you, you'll have some new ones too. Or movies you've always wanted to see about dogs. <laughs> okay. So I, first first one is like a must look. This is in no particular order, by the way. The first one is, I only have a title. It's called Date My Dog. Okay. This is a <laughs> comedy. It's essentially must love dogs for the modern people. It, 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 there's it, some some app in which you can like you only see pictures of somebody's dog and most likely everybody on this app has a dog obviously and uh you choose to go on a date with somebody based on whether or not you like their dog and the the pictures or videos of their dog and you're like oh yeah our dogs would get along and uh you hang out and you do a little you know doggy date and it'll be basically must love dogs, but must love dogs is kind of like a bait and switch because it's not really as much of a dog movie as I always want it to be. So make more of a dog. It's more dog focused. Must love dogs. That's the that's a, the first pitch. The weakest one I have, but the first one. I like it. I want to see it. It's basically you just described my dating life anyway. Okay, perfect. <laughs> it has potential. Okay, good. I, I wanted to move on from that one quickly anyway. Uh, the next would be a movie where the plot, I don't know, but the mechanism of the movie is that all the humans are seen from the waist down and they all have Charlie Brown voices. Like, so it's like fully from a perspective of a dog. Yes. It's like, I thought, it, it's I, thought like, I Love Dogs was going to be this. I did too. But it was weird how, how he used kind of tricks to make it so that people would say things when we needed to hear what they were saying. But like, that's yeah. very specifically sort of the Charlie Brown noise but you hear tones of voice and we know as humans what they're probably saying and the dogs are reacting in their certain ways and it's sort of like uh um this is going to be funny what's that holocaust movie that came out a couple of years ago it's a, son uh, of saul son of saul 
So it's like it's like Son of Saul stylized filmmaking. So it's always <laughs> right there within the dog's sort of headspace. And maybe you can use some cute Christopher Nolan um, attach the camera to the side of the dog type moves. But like the whole movie is from the dog's perspective and we go through that's what I thought that one animated dog movie was gonna be like too. Um, well the which one? That? There's been a lot of short films that remind me of this. Okay. And that your pitch would work better as a short film, for sure. I, I completely agree with you on that. The, the animated one, The Secret Life of Pets, which was a massive disappointment. Oh, right, right, right. right. Probably the most disappointed I've ever been about a dog movie in my whole life. Really? Wow. Yeah, that, that movie was no good. Even though it had a promising start, I, I have to admit I do enjoy the first five to ten minutes of that movie then it's, it's complete junk i just yeah the first you know, five that's that the first five to ten minutes are what they used to advertise the whole movie and it was perfect they should yeah. have just made it like a small space film where it's just dogs or animals trying to use the space in which they live to yeah. to do more i don't know why they whatever that's that's, that's an animation issue they they always have to go big on their third act and it gets kind of crazy. But and that, that one scene in the in the first five to ten minutes of that movie where um, she forgets her phone or keys and or something you know comes back to the apartment and the dog is like what took you so long? <laughs> I, I always I mean that that makes me laugh. Admittedly, because I've been there so many times, I've you know we we all have been there if we have dogs, I'm sure. Like you just go out and like, oh god damn, and now I have to return, and my dog will think that I am just back for good, and then it just breaks my heart. Audrey is so excited after I come back after two minutes, and I always imagine her thinking, what took her so long? Like, no, nope, I'm <laughs> off my phone. I'm sorry, well, I'm just gone. <laughs> literally, just yesterday, I came back from a three-day trip. We have a dog sitter who house sits, so like they stay here with the dog because he prefers to be here. We know this because he'll get like actually sick when he stays in some other environment when we're out of town. We came back and we needed. We were so hungry. We decided just to go straight to our car and get food instead of coming upstairs putting our bags inside and then just bailing because we thought well he's gonna get so upset it's gonna like what would he think i would be so upset something to think about you know when you're actually in that zone of um okay my human is gone you kind of don't want to um distract them you don't want to pull them out of there because like it's such a big emotional turmoil for a dog when you're there versus you're gone again it's so confusing <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um the my, my other pitch is this this probably would need to be animated it's about an older dog whose family gets a new puppy and he has to teach the new puppy the way of the land the way of life and how to interact with his humans and what are the things they like and what are the things they don't like and the sort of growing pains of that relationship because I'm sure in this movie the older dog will be upset about the younger dog coming in and will get jealous and and will learn to love the puppy and be a mentor and a big brother slash father figure and 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 the ultimate message of the film is that it's it's their duty to make humans happy and and I think that would be a really fun message for a dog movie to have if it were taken more seriously than some of the other ones that have had that message. I'm sold, Mike. I'm in. I want this 100%. <laughs> I, 
I, I am I am definitely on board with this idea too. It just needs to be executed correctly. I mean, it, it's just yeah. one that you know begs for a lot of human projection, um, and can get into that iffy territory that you know. Sometimes I question in dog movies, but I love this idea of an older dog um, mentoring a younger one, um, and it, it's it's basically just between my husband and I, we talk about, oh, can we bring a second dog to his home? Can we adopt, you know, a puppy? And how would Audrey react to it? She'd probably be massively pissed off about it at first. <laughs> but, you know, in the end, what would happen? So it's, it's something that I'm actually really wondering myself in real life, too. And I would love to see a movie live action or documentary or animated about this. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I have the um, wherewithal to make an actual documentary, although I'm a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> To, to commit myself to making one about the new puppy coming into our lives. But I, I suppose if you follow me on Instagram, you, you'll be able to follow my dog, who uh, will, will soon be, unbeknownst to him, sharing his account with our, our new puppy. And I, I have a feeling that I will be anthropomorphizing his, his relationship with that dog to the extent that in a film you would be frustrated by yeah. yeah, but make it, Mike. You need to now. I want to see this documentary. Do it. Make it. Just start filming in I mean, three if years' I just time. Film, you'll have something. If I just start filming their interactions in an, a nice way, I can just add. I mean, essentially, it's a voiceover film, right? It's like Homeward Bound style. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it would require more somebody filming from the third person of our life, not me as the camera guy. But uh, Maybe. nevertheless. It, I think what it says is that there are still a lot of good dog movies. Like we haven't run out of um, ideas, but I get frustrated sometimes when it just seems like Hollywood just regurgitates the same story over and over again. And like, I'd like to see more dog movies that approach it from a perspective of the dog without having to actually have talking animals or without having to be animated. It's not that difficult and just for some reason, I don't think I feel like they don't think people want to see that. I mean, I think people would be more willing to see that if somebody puts it out there. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if people don't want to see it. It's just that I, I don't think the film industry is actively thinking about what do we do with dogs and stories. But uh, it, it's something that I, I always look at when I'm watching um, you know, a, a movie with dogs. It, it, I, I was actually just really happy when um, the promotion for Mountain Between Us became about the dog. You know, the studio was tweeting a spoiler, you know, the dog lives. And then um, I think that movie did, you know, don't quote me on this if, if I'm incorrect, but I think the, the movie did pretty well in, in the box office. Yes, there is Idris Elba and there's Kate Winslet, but I think dog people kind of carried that movie too, I would like to think, mm -hmm. because, oh, hey, a disaster movie or an accident movie in which the dog lives, I'm going to go see it. That's, you know, that was a part of my motivation when I ran to the theater for that. We, we kind of went through a few movies, but what are like those scenes in dog movies that you never forget? Like the John Wick scene, right? Like that, that comes to every time I think about scenes in movies with dogs. Like one of the first ones to come up is when they fucking kill John Wick's dog. And, yeah. and I'm so, I hate that that comes up in my head. And I love that he goes on basically a revenge kick 
but I can't shake those moments. It's like we always we remember the the bad times much more easily than we remember the good times in life. The most cheesiest example of one is the Independence Day dog jumping into the yes. door and surviving. Like, yeah, okay. Yes, great. I mean, no, not cheesy. Best moment. <laughs> yeah, but it's such a CGI cheesy shot that never would have worked. But you're like, ah, eh, the dog so lives. He made it. I, I don't recall who tweeted this or wrote this, but I definitely read it somewhere that, you know, if a movie must kill a dog, at least do it like John Wick, that the character spends the rest of the movie avenging his death. <laughs> I yeah. thought, yes. Yeah, I'm thinking about memorable dog scenes, and when I think of memorable dog scenes, I'm always thinking of things that offend me. You know, I, I think of Wiener Dog. I think of some of the movies that I genuinely love, like Maps to the Stars is a movie that I really like that really, really grew on me over the years, but it's one of the worst offenders of recent um, films that I can think of. You guys have seen Maps to the Stars, right? Yeah. Yep. I have. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I just can't get over that dog scene, yet... That doesn't stop me from revisiting that movie, but I, when I know that they're they're in that house and that's gonna happen, I I just kind of fast forward, I, I just completely you know skip it because I I can't watch it. Um, another movie that's fun to watch, um, you know, a, a thriller, an erotic thriller, um, that I used to watch a lot, a single white female. I haven't revisited in in such a long time, and just a few weeks ago I went to see it again, and I remembered. It's actually one of the worst offenders out there, the way the dog dies. Um, I just, you know, can't get over it. So any memorable dog scene to me is memorable because of the wrong reasons. Or like the, the, the Sandlot. How about that? Another one. Where it's like the dog, the dog is so memorable and it's kind of, I kind of love, I always, especially as I've grown up, I love the way that a dog's sort of story unfolds because at the end you realize it's really just like it's just a it's a pet and it's just a it's a bigger dog but hey it's just a he's not a crazy sized dog and um it kind of captures something fun about our memories as about dogs as kids and like i have you know i got attacked once when i was waving my hands around because i was i was bicycling around my neighborhood with my jump rope for heart. I don't know if that means anything to you guys, but like... It uh, does to me. It's a fundraiser thing that most schools, um, when I was a kid, did here in the States. And I was by, I was waving my hand, and the dog thought I was probably going to kill its owner, so I, I, it, it attacked me. And, and I've forever sort of been skittish of German shepherds, but frankly, they're scary looking anyway, but I know that they're great dogs. <laughs> Yet in my memory, that dog was probably six feet tall and 400 pounds. But it, it more than likely that same evening cuddled on bed in the bed. I, I think that's always a funny, a fun thing with movies when they can capture the sort of adolescent perspective of dogs, our memories of dogs, stuff like that. Yeah. Another one that I, I wanted to mention a little bit off of what Thomas was saying is um, this is an example of a movie where once the dog dies, it does disrupt everything else. It just dies later, which is I Am Legend. And it was such a also a great example of what you guys were talking about earlier, where it actually shows him like like the way they care for each other is like a real good example of a realistic dog person and their dog relationship. Um, and then he does get just it just like fuels his rage when his dog finally dies. Spoiler, but still like No, that's a good dignified death to go back to Thomas's um um way yeah. of putting it. 
It really is. It's really difficult to watch. Um, and again, it's a, it's a movie that I like. I don't I don't love it, but I like it. Um, and that that scene where he has to do do that thing to his to his dog, which you know I don't I don't want to spell out. You know, it's it, it's a necessary scene because it's it's a really unforgiving environment. Um, and the the way the the dog actually does what he does is because he is being himself. He's being a curious um, dog who just wants to go out there and find out what this thing is. Even though he's very well trained, he's still, you know, allowed to be a dog, and that's that's why he gets attacked by those beings. And the way he dies is, in my opinion, a very dignified way. I'm so glad you brought that movie up because I have I wasn't thinking about it. I always wonder yeah, if, yeah. if when they made that scene or, or, or when it was coming to be, if they knew they were making a, a direct remake of Old Yeller. It's literally the, the Old Yeller scene. So it always reminds me of that movie, which I I won't. I will not be rewatching. Old Yeller is just a tremendously heart-wrenching one. They, but they love to, to like piggyback on old movies. Like I, was, I was literally just watching Beethoven before we were recording, and early on in the movie, there's a shot where Beethoven comes in, turns on the TV in the middle of the night, and starts watching the original Werewolf uh, Universal Monsters movie. And I was like, what a weird throwback, but also cool. I dig it. Like, <laughs> sure, if they're going to make that kind of connection, go for it. Beethoven is another movie that drives me crazy. I can't watch it. Really? It's such a Disney movie, though. It's it's like because they, they don't suck, make him because talk. They suck at only, because they, they're just not good at, at being dog parents. Th- that's definitely one of the reasons. I, I just hate that father. Why is, you know, why is he a villain? And if he hates this puppy so much, why is the puppy there? I mean, I, I just, it really drives me crazy. But there is this particular scene in Beethoven talking about memorable scenes where I think Beethoven is with, um, you know, the, the daughter of the family. I don't remember her name. And she has a crush on this guy. And the dog senses that the girl wants to talk to the guy and then breaks free, goes to the guy so that the girl can go chase him. And then he creates this environment where the two people, like the, the two teenagers, get to talk to each other. Like, dogs don't think like that. Don't sell this false idea of having <laughs> They're not going to sense that we have a crush on somebody and try to, um, you know, do the matchmaking. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, but I always, I want that, Thomas. I want to have a dog who, like, drags me over to some girl in a park. Because that's okay, like, if, the, it's like the dream. If it happens, <laughs> happen randomly, yeah, not because the dog is going to read your mind. Oh, Alex has this crush on this girl. So if I break free from his grip and go talk to the girl, maybe Alex will follow me. Like, I. I'm sorry, I know I'm being a crazy dog lady again, but I just can't stand it. I guess we can't really talk about dog movies and not talk about Skippy, or sometimes known as Asta from the 30s. Alex, I think you watched The Awful Truth, right? Yes, for your suggestion, and it was so much fun. Mike, are you familiar with the, with this dog? He's been an Awful Truth, and Finn Is Man this the one and- that Uggy is based on? Yeah, I mean, Augie is sort of like a nod to this dog. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's not necessarily these movies are not about the dog, but I, I just love it so much because it, it's a very innocent, cute, fun, and inventive way of um, having a dog in the story. So 
um, it's, it's just one of the things that I just really enjoy about those movies, the existence of Skippy or, you know, he has different names and different ones. Um, I think my, my favorite, I think his Thin Man is the most famous, but Awful Truth would be my favorite go-to one because it, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but isn't there like a custody thing between the, between the owners? Yeah, of course. And that, yes. that's like... When it first started, I like you told me there was a dog in it, and like the first ten minutes, there's no dog, and I was like, "When is the dog gonna appear?" And then it appears, and it's like in every single scene, and I'm like, "Yes, this is." <laughs> is this the most famous dog actor ever? I I don't know if he is the most famous dog actor ever, but definitely one of the ones up there. That's one. That's one thing I wish we had more of, like dog stars, <laughs> dogs, right. dogs, dogs. At least one every generation. We, of human generations, I should say. I mean, like, Uggy was close, but he had a moment. You know, he had five minutes of fame, so to speak. He was in many movies, but, like, uh, and, and and I think there was this funny campaign of whether or not he should be nominated for an Oscar, if I recall. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I guess, I guess, the, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever have a dog star. I hope we do. I think it, it's hard because they keep they like the dog is either cast multiple times, like they have to use multiple dogs to shoot some role, or then the dog. And this happened with Uggy, I think, was that the dog like passes away at some point soon. So like it's only got a limited time anyway, and then something happens. Like I would, my challenge to you is: Do you know any of the dogs from the movies from your childhood that you loved that were dog movies? Like, do I know any of the dogs from Homeward Bound? No, I don't. I don't even know who they were, and that's an example of I should have known them, but I didn't. Buddy is the only dog I've ever known about, like directly, personally. Buddy from what? Buddy was Air Bud. Uh, oh, okay. But okay. also, like, he was in Full House. And I just, oh. I just, it was at a time in my life, obviously, like I was probably 12 or 13 when he was at his peak uh, as Air Bud. And I, and like, he is Air Bud. That's, that's freaking Air Bud, man. The mockery of this is um, in Bojack Horseman. And uh, the, the, the other main lead character is like a dog. It's a anthropomorphized into human. So like, he's a human thing, but that's like, they play on the, the fact that he's like a famous dog person with an agent and... Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about, you know, what we love and what we don't love um, in movies about dogs or movies with dogs in them. So I, I was actually just wondering if we should go around and throw around our wish list of what movies should and should not do um, when they have a dog, like just like a clear, I don't want to see this anymore and I want to see this anymore. Like what are some of the things that we expect from these movies? That's, I mean, we already talked about a lot of it, which is that I don't want them to talk. Clear like ABC, like this is what I want to see more of. This is what I want to see less of kind of thing. Yeah, so that we can, so that I can cut this and provide it as a standalone for all the movie producers out there and they can listen. <laughs> Well, it's basically, I think it is everything you already said. It's treating dogs properly, you know, having like dignity, dignity for them, but not only in their deaths, but just in normal treatment of them and a normal, like if something bad happens, you feel bad about the dog. And then I like that uh, I Love Dogs also balances, I wanted to mention this earlier, but it balances the idea that like, um, what you've talked about a little bit, Thomas, is the idea that a dog uh, goes bad because it's badly treated. And there's a little bit of that storyline in I Love Dogs where, like, there's the the main 
dog who comes from um, the streets who acts kind of like a mean, grumpy dog and doesn't participate and then learns his story arc is to learn, or his character arc is to learn how to be better with humans. And then, you know, you get that. Like, I like that there was a different perspective. There were different personalities. There were different characters amongst the dogs. And the treat dogs not as, like, simply just a, a toy or a tool, but, like, actually recognize their emotional depth <laughs> which is something we're struggling for in film in general with other characters of all kinds but um more of that please true true i mean i i have a couple of other things that i did not mention that i that that's that's part of the reason why i stopped seeing if a movie is particularly about a dog chances are i'm not going to see it unless i find something just so refreshing or new in it mm-hmm. one thing that i really want to see more of or I just want to see periods because it's really not being done. I just want these family movies with dogs to stop uh, fetishizing pure breed animals. Um, that's just one thing that's just really, really, really upsetting me. Um, not just annoying me, but physically making me ill. I really want to see family movies with dogs that have dogs from shelters you know maybe a pit bull you know i never see a pit bull featured in a movie as you know a a lazy lap dog and that's what they are i know that firsthand it always has to be a golden retriever or some some other breed where you know redeem cute um i want to see more adoption scenes you know i don't want to see someone going into um a puppy mill or a breeder and purchasing a dog um that's not what the experience of having a pet is like these days and there is more of an awareness and i want movies to catch up with that notion um and i don't think they have yet um the movie with tom hardy um what was it called the drop the drop yeah yeah I mean, I think it, it came close to try to break that pitbull stereotype a little bit, but it was still consciously trying to break a stereotype. I just want us to move to the next level where the pitbull can be a perfectly normal family dog as they are. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of the other things we, we talked about, you know, I'm not opposed to seeing animal deaths in movies. That's probably why I didn't mind wonder that much like I but I want them to have a a dignified purpose in the movie I just don't want the dogs to be just you know be there as props because they're not a piece of furniture in our apartments Um, I mean I can I can go on and on I think but this this pure breed obsession is one of the things that really upset me Um, I, I I want us to go to the next one follow-up to your comment on the Pitbull stories, I think, is one of my favorite documentaries about animals is The Champions. Have you seen that? I, I have not, okay, no. you, you, I, I don't know if you actively avoided it or not, but it's it's the story of Michael Vick's dogs that were adopted. All Once, you know, when Michael Vick had that dog-fighting underground thing and they got raided, well, all the dogs had to go somewhere and it follows the stories of a few of them and the impact that those dogs had on their um their newfound owners and it's it's really an incredible story and it shows the power of friendship between humans and dogs and how a dog's life doesn't have to be dictated by one event 
and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's just, oh, it's so good. I'm actually probably going to rewatch it because I just remembered it when you were talking. It's crazy uh, that I don't actually even know about it. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> It's funny, I haven't heard of it either, but thanks for telling us, because now I really want to see it. Yeah, it was a few years ago. I, I think a really important movie that should have gotten enough, should have gotten more recognition, and, and maybe it was just the way it was made, but that's the kind of movie that I wouldn't have been surprised for the Oscars to nominate, because of the politicization of the film. I'm definitely going to look for it. I, I did not even know that this movie existed. I recommend it. I, and, and to follow up on the, the question, I mean, yes, we have covered in some capacity, um, at least my opinion of what's good and what's bad or what should or should not be in a dog movie. And, you know, I get that we're never going to stop making movies where dogs talk. The dog dying sometimes means it supports the plot of the human and that is um, unfortunate sometimes, but I do think as long as it, it, I feel like the humans are personally changed or impacted by that death, it, it has meaning. It, it pisses me off when a dog dies simply for the case of showing how dangerous something can be. Like, it shouldn't be about that. I, I, I actually think of, you know, in, in Big Sick during one of... Um... Kumail Nanjiani's um, stand-up shows, he says, you know, I die so that the other characters can find out that, you know, there is something going on. Um, so I think the dog in a movie always assumes that role. The dog dies, so we can just say, oh, fuck, there is something happening here. I, I just want the dogs to not be that prop, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, I think there's also going to be a lot of interesting stories to tell in tv the problem sure they'll remake lassie at some point but it you know they won't take it as seriously as as they should and and that's where is where like i think animation is really where the the dog world can shine it's hard to make a real dog movie because it's just there's a cliche in hollywood you know don't work with kids and dogs frankly i think that's bullshit and i know it's i know it's tough it makes your job a little more tough but there's such a ripe species of animal for emotion and and one of the other reasons why i think animation um is such a strong place for dogs is because you can really do a, a lot of things you do anything it's why the dog from up is like my favorite dog ever um in a movie simply because of the squirrel moment and the fact that they creatively gave the dog a human voice and didn't humanize it still a dog and and you have that really fun interaction between him and the bad dogs and and all that stuff and I, I like we covered a lot of dogs, but are there any that we didn't mention or dog movies or dogs in movies that you, you loved that we have to mention on a dog podcast? I mean, <laughs> I, I think it, it would be wrong to not mention Turner and Hooch. We haven't talked about that movie yeah. at all. I've never actually, I've never seen it. And I'm, I, I, it was one of them when I was looking at the list. I was like, how oh, have I not seen Turner and Hooch? Do I need to watch it this week. But. Turner and Hooch. You, you have to definitely watch it. Uh, and, and as a caveat, that movie is full of things that, you know, annoy me about, you know, the, the dog parenting. And, but that movie gets away with it because Tom Hanks' character doesn't um, adopt this dog willingly. Uh, it just happens by chance, you know. We, he he is a cop, and this this dog is witness to a murder, um, and he he finds that he has to adopt him. There's no one else to take care of the dog, and he's a terrible, terrible dog parent. But that's because 
it's not his decision to bring this dog into this family and he doesn't know what he is doing so that's how the movie gets away with all of those things that annoys me because he he actually admittedly doesn't know what he is doing so the dog wrecks his apartment and and the hilarity ensues as they say <laughs> um i i wouldn't necessarily say it's the most wonderful dog movie out there but it's just so darn charming and kind of heartbreaking in the end and there's so many things in it that are ridiculous that I roll my eyes at but you know it's one you should watch <laughs> I want to watch it it's now on my list don't worry the other ones I just had like a couple on my list that I was just going to rattle off because um, you actually made me think of I'm almost like afraid to mention this because we talk so nicely about dogs this whole time is that um, in you, you mentioned the breeds of dog movies there was a time when they were making like horror dog movies and of course there's Cujo which is the famous one but then there was this one that I remember my brother and I would watch when we were kids all the time called Man's Best Friend. And it's this crazy movie where like the dog, it's like a it's like a VHS back of the store cult rental kind of thing. And the dog is like genetically engineered to be this like beast thing that it was crazy. And I don't know why we really loved it. And it was weird because, you know, we were growing up with dogs and we had dog love. Um and then the other interesting ones, of course, that we've talked about are a lot of the, the animated ones, like um, Bolt, I really liked, which was the recent Disney one, all about the dog. Um, and then, Mike, when you were mentioning your pitches, it made me think of uh, the animated short Feast, which was from the perspective of the dog. I think, I think my pitch was just unconsciously talking about that movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's just such a good from the perspective of, of like what the dog like. They never show the people; they always show it from their feet. Um, and then the, another one, which is I wanted to mention, is just because you were talking about it in, in the place of dog movies, was um, the Good Dinosaur, which is basically a dog movie where the dog is actually a human boy, but like they play it basically as like a kid learning to like the kid being the dinosaur learning to love his dog friend, which is the human boy. But I thought it was like a cool twist on that because it, it basically is just a boy and his dog movie, but with a big twist on the concept. I mean, in that sense, I would, I would argue, Pete's Dragon is a dog yeah. movie too. I, I, I can't watch Pete's Dragon from a dragon perspective. I always think um, of that dragon as a dog. Yeah, they clearly animated some of the parts, like when he was playing around with him in the forest and he pops his head up into his little uh, like treehouse. That was like clearly an animated like a dog shot. And they wanted us yeah. to have that feeling of a dog. I, 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 did, I did speak to um, David Lowry briefly um, about that. And, you know, he, he definitely, you know, had that in mind. You know, he said a lot of the people um, on said they were dog lovers. And I, I think it was, it was a fully conscious decision and they were aware of what they were doing. Yeah, and sure. there is a movie coming out later this year um, called Dog Days. And it's the I don't. There's not much information about it. It says it's a drama, but it sounds like it's like Crash with dogs, where <laughs> it's it says a, a a group of a group of interconnected people in Los Angeles brought together by their lovable canine counterparts. And it's directed by Ken Marino, who I love, and has a a lot of great young comedians in it. So I'll be. I, I think we should all keep our eyes out for that because if it's anything like the cast and the, the um, synopsis I feel like there's some hope yet for a new dog movie that jumps up the ranks hopefully it, it to me like another new dog movie that I'm 
going to only see if a whole bunch of people whose opinions on dogs I trust give it a pass and I will uh, give, give it, you know, a favorable thumbs up, then I'm going to see it. I probably won't be among the first. There's the other one too this year, um, Alpha, which is like set during the Ice Age, what it's about, some kid like oh, yeah. friending and loving a dog. But what I don't know, I don't know how it's going to be. They just delayed it for like a year. I think it's supposed to be out later this year. Because I remember that, you know, that played for like a month of, or like three months of the trailer played at the IMAX theater. And every time it starts, I'm like, what is this? 10,000 BC is the sequel? And it looked terrible. <laughs> and, and then suddenly you realize at the end of the trailer that this is actually just a movie about a boy and his dog. And I'm like, well, what the fuck are you doing? Market it as that. That's a great idea. Yeah. And I totally forgot about that movie. I'm very excited now. <laughs> well, it's just because we have no idea what it really is. Like, how, we don't know how, at what point in the movie he actually has this moment where he befriends the dog. Like, it could be halfway through, but um, I'm, I don't know. I'm just curious about it. Well, I, I think we covered basically every movie ever with a dog. Is there anything else you want to mention, Thomas? No, I just want to reiterate to both of you to please, after this podcast go see i'll see you in my dreams mm -hmm. it's it's a beautiful movie it's not a movie about a dog but sometimes somehow the dog's presence is there and i, I think you would both really enjoy it yeah I, well I, obviously nice to have somebody on who appreciates dogs so we can the last our last episode was about video games and I, I don't really know anything about video games i just uh I felt you tell me that now mike way to go i felt so out of my element but i feel like dogs are my wheelhouse so happy we could do a dog podcast <laughs> yeah i'm so happy you guys included me i hope i made sense and um i i know that at times i i just sounded like an intense, crazy dog person, but you know, that's, that's no, probably who I am in real life. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's just an expression of who you are, but it's great. You 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 really are a true dog lover. Like I I know a lot of people in the industry who love dogs and have dogs, but there's like a handful of people that I would say are true dog people. And even Sasha, um, who we had on before for our uh, Academy Awards podcast. She didn't talk about it on the show, but she's a dog person too, partially because she picked up a dog on the side of the road going to the Telluride Film Festival one year, and that kind of like changed her life in a way, and it's her story with her dog is wonderful. Speaking of which, one other thing with dog movies that irks me is when people find a dog, a stray, and uh, take it in without ever trying to figure out if that dog quote-unquote belonged to somebody in real life I, I my assumption is that anytime you find a stray dog you will at least make an attempt to find out where that dog came from for many reasons but definitely because it's very possible that that dog came from a loving home and ha and and in no way is like running away from the most evil human being that ever lived or was just born in the woods and lived there until it was three years old or something. I like my assumption, and I, this came to mind last night when I was rewatching Far From Home because that dog literally just shows up out of nowhere, and it's clearly domesticated because it knows how to sit and uh, heal on command. And when the mom finds this out in the kitchen by herself, she's just like, "Huh," and then like the movie moves on, 
And I love, I love when a dog finds a new home, a loving home. It's such a good story in real life and in movies. But I'm always like, what the, what about the guy or woman who lost the dog? Like, yeah. What, what about them? I feel terrible for those people every time. Maybe on, maybe yeah. I shouldn't, but I do. And you mentioning lost dog brings to mind an, another. Um movie that i really love but it's so upsetting it's um kelly reichert's wendy and lucy somehow we didn't talk about it it's a really really beautiful movie um that i encourage both of you to see um i i shouldn't really talk too much about it since you haven't seen it but go into it blind and cold it, it's it's an upsetting movie it definitely is an upsetting movie but um it's it's a really good one Randy, Rand, what was it? Randy and Lucy? W- Wendy and Lucy. Wendy. Wendy and. Yeah, Randy and Lucy just showed a bunch of uh, Trailer Park Boys um, TV <laughs> yeah. show stuff. Different movie. Well, um, maybe we'll just play it off with a little "In the Arms of an Angel" and uh, and and call it a podcast. I'm sure we can talk for hours and hours more. Maybe we can take we can, t- we can take to the Twitter sphere and continue our conversations as movies continue to come out about doggies. Uh, but, but thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for coming on Thomas. Where, where can everyone find your work? Where can they find you on Twitter and where does your writing? Um, well, thank you for inviting me. First of all, um, I, since I freelance, it's, it's a bunch of different outlets. Um, it's, it's thankfully a long list, so I'm not going to count each one of them, but I, I do tweet out my work from at Tommy Laffley, T-O-M-I-L-A-F-F-L-Y. Um, if you care to join me on Twitter, please do so. Yes, please do. She's one of, she's, Thomas is a, runs a legit Twitter feed. No, no hate only when dogs die, but other than that, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good feed. Um, you know, even if you don't care about my movie opinions, I, I, I do tweet out a lot of cute dog stuff. You know, yes. sometimes the pictures of my own dog or other hashtag content I find online. So that could be worth your while. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again. Um, catch us on Twitter. I'm at Azentower30. And Alex, you're at for showing. Um, yes, as usual. Yep. So we'll be back to be determined what our next podcast topic will be, but um, it definitely won't be cats. <laughs> Ever. No. No, I'm kidding. I'm, well, I'm, one blessed, day, I'm blessed with an allergy to cats. <laughs> me I'm too, saying. Mike. Me too. <laughs> Good. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs>